to Cinema Duel, a podcast where myself, John, and my friend Chris talk about a couple of movies around a theme of our choosing. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I am doing good, John. Happy New Year. Uh, it is 2022, <laughs> and we are kicking into year... Is this year three? Uh, Duel? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, I'll put a sound effect to confirm whether I'm right or wrong uh, in post. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, technically, uh, this is 2022. Um, the fact that it's uh, a month late uh, doesn't make that less true, because that's not how time works. Um, yeah, we... Uh, we got a bit delayed on recording this episode due to some, uh, COVID shenanigans going on on my side, uh, of the podcast recording. Um, fortunately, everyone's recovered and feeling well. Um, but it does mean that this January episode, uh, is now a February episode. So, um, my, my goal coming out of the, uh, uh, my goal for this episode going out of the Christmas break was to do something that was uh, a bit more uh, easy breezy, something that was uh, not going to be quite as mentally taxing. Um, And it turns out that life uh, brought its own set of challenges that couldn't be overcome. Uh, However, uh, it is, it's still, I'm still glad that we uh, went the direction that we did. Oh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still good that we're going to, uh, pick something that's not going to be too, uh, intellectually heady, uh, for us today, because today we're talking about, uh, Mr. John Woo, uh, himself, uh, Mr. Dun- uh, guns and doves and slow motion jumping, uh, this this really boils down to i had seen been seeing people talk about hard-boiled uh for it it had been popping up for a little bit lately and i had kind of just wanted to watch hard-boiled and so i suggested it and you said absolutely um i don't necessarily have a ton of john woo context uh other than i've seen you know a good chunk of his american films uh and uh but i hadn't really dug into any of his pre-hollywood stuff like have you i mean i guess i mean i watched these from your plex i'm assuming you've got the uh you've got at least more of the history than I do. I do. So, you know, you bring up a real interesting point. I was reading uh, or watching a YouTube video about John Woo earlier today. And one of the things that's interesting is um, I think based on age, you have a very different experience if you are familiar with John Woo. Um, part of that stems from the fact that at least right now, the two films that we're going to talk about probably to my mind, his two best films, um, or at least to me, the two most enjoyable films, um, are not readily available. They're not on Blu-ray. Um, they used to be. These were additionally, we can kind of also call this a Criterion catch-up, because these were originally Criterion films way back in the day as well. But um, uh, the two films we're going to be talking about, Hard Boiled and The Killer, are not readily available. Um, so a lot of people who are John Woo fans, at least those who are maybe slightly younger and didn't come up of age in the late 80s, 90s when Hong Kong action cinema was really kind of taking hold of the American uh, community, they're probably more familiar with the American fair, your hard targets and broken arrows and, and face-offs and things like that, um, which are all great. Uh, and, and uh, you know, maybe Mission Impossible 2 accepted. Uh, and <laughs> feel free to holler at us if you feel differently. Uh, I'm pretty but, sure you uh, have said words about Mission Impossible 2 on this podcast before. So I, it I think be, I have. If yeah. we go back and check, yeah, I am not a fan of Mission Impossible 2, nor is my family. Um, but I kind of, again, you know, uh, when the Killer came out like 89 or, 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 or so. I was 16, 17 years old, and um, we were just starting to see some of that stuff come over. And uh, I have a lot to say about it. Uh, uh, all positive, because it was a blast kind of revisiting these 
the, these films and having the opportunity now to talk to, uh, about them with you, who you know, have come up more in the era of seeing a lot of films that were influenced by John Woo, uh, including his own later films. So um, I've, I've got the experience of the older films beforehand, but it's probably been a good – I looked up at Letterboxd. The last time I watched The Killer was 2015. And I can't even remember the last time I saw Hard Boiled. It was definitely before that. So um, I don't think we really need to beat around the bush. Let's just jump in and talk about two insane action films. Absolutely. Why don't you get us started with The Killer? if you've heard this before um tough as nails heart of gold assassin teams up with a doesn't play by the book cop to take down a bunch of bad guys this is the story of a thousand and one action films uh starting from the mid 1990s on but i'm gonna probably bet you none of them hold a candle uh to 1989's the killer um Written, directed by John Woo, starring Chow Yun-Fat, uh, Danny Lee, set Sally Yeh as Jenny, the uh, beautiful nightclub singer who is in the opening moments blinded by Chow Yun-Fat's assassin as he goes and guns down his target, thus setting up a complex relationship that carries forth through the rest of the film. Um, one of the things that we'll probably talk about a lot is there's not there's a lot going on in John Woo. Uh, there's a lot of imagery and there's a lot of thematic stuff, but it's nothing's too deep or complex. This is a movie that pays homage to um, a lot of earlier films, uh, most specifically um, a movie that we've talked about on this podcast. This is a huge, uh, this film is hugely influenced by uh, Jean-Pierre Melville's Le Samurai. Um, Ah uh, Zhang, the Chow Yun Fat assassin character, um, is very much cut in the mold of um, Alan Delane, um, his character from that film. Beautiful suits, uh, robust. He's a robust scarf wearing assassin. Uh, so much style, so much white <laughs> in all of their clothing to make the blood stand out even better. Um, but this is basically the story about an assassin who, because of this one hit, um, starts to have a change of heart. He falls for this woman that he blinded in an assassination, um, kind of gone wrong. Um, and what winds up happening is he's hired to do one more job. And that one more job is by a vicious kind of young triad member who is trying to get everything together and do things his own way. And as part of the deal, they're supposed to rub him out so that there's no witnesses to the hit that just took place. Um, and then there's the doesn't play by the rules cop which will feature very prominently in Hard Boiled, uh, played by Danny Lee, um, who is uh, tenacious and pugnacious and just wants to stop this assassin until, of course, they actually meet and interact and then wind up banding together to help save um, young Jenny, the nightclub singer, uh, from the clutches of what is going on around them. Um, so that's it. I mean, it's a fairly standard action movie, but there's nothing standard about its execution. 
Um, when you think of John Woo, especially if you think about him now, uh, John, you nailed it on the head. You, you think about the doves. And yes, there are copious amounts of doves in this film. Um, they're never too, like, there's not, with one exception toward the end of the movie, there's not really any of, like, these slow-mo doves fading behind him as he walks forward. Except, again, at the end of the movie, there's a beautiful shot of that. Um, but what really struck me about the movie watching it this time is... It's a movie that doesn't care a whit about logic. It's a movie that cares about the emotional experience and the conflict and the relationships that the characters are going through. So, yes, if you're the type of person who is going to get annoyed that Chow Yun-Fat almost never reloads his weapon and can seemingly shoot 150 shots in all different directions but hit everybody in front of him, this is going to bug you. I think that is a conscious thing on John Woo's part. It's one of the things that's so beautiful about this film is that he doesn't give a wit about it. If it works for the, for the thematic pieces he's putting in place, then he's going to do it. Um, I, this is also the first time I realized, and I'm wondering how much of this struck with you. So this will kind of be my, my lead off question for the film, John. I did not realize that John Woo, I read later, was uh, is very Christian. And this movie is rife with Christian imagery. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is probably not far off to say that a secondary character in this film is a statue of the Virgin Mary. <laughs> Uh, that is uh, housed in a church that he uses as kind of his base of operations. Um, so let me ask you as your maybe first or probably I would say second kind of um, deep dive into pre-Hollywood John Woo, uh, what kind of larger themes and kind of symbolism pieces did you come away with? And, and also on a scale of super badass to holy shit, super badass, how badass is the killer? <laughs> It's it's very badass. Um, as far as picking up on the themes, I mean, I don't think that there's... It, it's not that it executes its themes poorly. It's just that you see it and you're like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it's... And... Um, it's very shallowly... It's shallowly yeah. kind of presented. Right. Um, so I don't really have... Uh, I, I have one story on the religious themes uh, throughout this movie, but it's more related to the score um, because there's so the the synthesizer piano that plays throughout a lot of the score reminds me of um, in the 90s. There was the, the Christian music industry put together what they called the new young Messiah, which was basically taking Handel's Messiah and reworking the songs to a more contemporary uh, sound. Um, now, that being said, uh, if you know anything about the Christian music industry, is that they are about 10 years behind any <laughs> musical trend. Um, and so hearing this, this music from a movie that was like in the mid, like late 80s, and then it reminded me of stuff that I would hear a few years later, like this, the style, the way that the, it's, 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 it's the, the playing is, it's, I gotta say it's corny. It's corny as hell. <laughs> and I wasn't going to mention it, but the last, in the climax of the movie, they actually start playing Handel's Messiah. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's not my brain just making weird connections. Like it is actually, um, it is actually going for that. Now, as far as like, like, yes, he is, pre he is presenting Christian 
iconography throughout the whole movie is does he have anything interest to say and of it other than like some no. basic things <laughs> absolutely not like the, it the it is i guess it's neat like uh, an interesting factoid uh that he's a religious person who put that imagery into his movie but like that doesn't really like that i think anyone looking at that would just it would just bounce off anyone could yeah, yeah, well, it's it's definitely it's it, it's not a film that's interested in saying anything about Christianity. That's not the point no, of the. No, it just happens right? to like it's just the like the garnish that. Uh, well, I'll 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 maybe differ with you a little bit and say that I think right if, if, if think about what the film what the theme of the film really is it's about honor it's about it's about relationships and connections between opposite sides right coming together in the name of honor right so these are these two people who are polar opposites one is a cop one is a criminal um but they come together through honor of understanding what is ultimately at risk here which is the 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 increasing blindness of this woman who you know was a byproduct of his evil deeds so yeah. i think guilt. it's interesting that's yeah. yeah it's it's guilt it's shame and it's christian guilt and say shame i mean you know he's trying to do the he's doing bad things in an attempt to do the right thing um ajong let's just call him chow yun fat because he's eternally chow yun yeah. fat, chow chow yun yun fat. fat. or or we we can call him tequila if we want to call him tequila for every film but <laughs> chow yun fat said you know i originally did this because i wanted to only you know kill bad guys that were you know kind of above the law but there's something again very shallow very transparent about bad deeds are bad deeds and god is watching over you and you know he's constantly as he's paying for his transgressions there's this huge and i love the use of color in this film there's this huge cross that it doesn't matter what time of day it is it is backlit by this neon blue kind of window even though it's the middle of the night and there's no light coming through it's this neon blue window framing this beautiful cross and these doves that kind of symbolize you know, something. I don't know what the doves actually symbolize, but he's constantly being looked at by that stone statue of Mary as if to say like, you know, your actions led you to this. This is what's happening. So yeah, it's not trying to say anything, but it's a far better visual treat than a lot of films that try to do the same thing, but in a much more kind of I think insincere way. That's the thing that I ultimately come away with, with the killer. Um, and we could talk about its action um, separately, but it's a film that is entirely sincere to me in what it wants to do. It doesn't feel, it never feels like joking or winking. It always feels like very high drama and, 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 and even the use of Handel's Messiah at the end of the film, it, it, it speaks to a, in, in an operatic style, which is portrayed by every emotion is keyed to the brim. You know, every sneer is a sneer that is almost unfathomable to put on someone's face. Every, you know, every motion is overwrought and, and, and just done to the extremity because it plays so well on film for what Wu's trying to do. Um, yeah, I, think, I, I I came away completely enamored of this movie. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and I and I yes, I think that uh, I think what sets a movie like this apart from movies that would do this thing is just how just the the maximalist operatic, like just everything we're going we're there. There's no there's no wink. There's no 
there's no slight cynicism. Like there's no like there's no attempt to be like crass or or just like it's not cynical i think you hit it right on the head yeah Yeah. there's no like rah rah um, you know american patriotism i mean there's some like there's some cop shit but like they're like the 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 stuff if i was because i mentioned the patriotism just because i'm thinking of like an american thinking about uh, american versions of this and would i would i spend my time watching you know not not obviously i like good action movies but like the your um the movies that tend to you know the the, the shitty versions of this kind of movie um it's it wouldn't i like the ambition i guess is what i'm saying is the ambition to like we're just going to do something that's you know it's it's sincere but also huge and um we're going to put all of our emotions on our sleeve and all of our guns and uh bodies in the air and uh th- i think if if I don't like this as much as hard boiled, I think it's only because the 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 more heavy reliance on the like it just like straight up like the plot I the plot and the characters I I just I kind of don't care like I really don't <laughs> um, but the um, but the way that or it it. it it, it, it doesn't resonate with me, but I still enjoy sort of the pageantry of everything. And, yeah. and it is still a very good time, uh, to watch it. Whereas, um, other movies, I don't think would be able to get away with it. So I'll agree with you. Um, I, 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 I was struggling all day today to kind of think through if I had to stack these, if I had to stack the two films we're talking about against each other, kind of where do they fall? Um, I think I come away thinking, the Killer is a better film, I think, but I enjoy Hard Boiled more. I think Hard Boiled is just we're going to throw out every semblance of the seriousness that we brought to The Killer, and we are just going to go, we're going to go balls out. Pardon the expression, but we are going to unzip and just let them dangle free. <laughs> And swing them every which way and not care. Um, and I think that's hard boiled, but I think where, where this wins out is just in those, those operatic themes and, and, and what it brings to the action. So we have to talk about the action because it's, it's, it's going to be a threat as we go into the next film. Um, it's a hard, it's a, it's a rare film that can be this ridiculous in its action. Where you have people, I don't know, I can't count how many people have jumped over tables, landed on candles of flame, or, you know, fallen through things that have then suddenly burst on fire in this film. Uh, but it's a lot. It's definitely more than I can count on two hands. Um, and yet, his, his ability to film action, his ability to film, like, I don't know of another person who in the middle of a massive action scene, can do two close-ups of their protagonists, smile at each other, and hold a freeze frame. Like, there is a definite kind of French new wave, kind of European sense of filmmaking with John Woo, where everything is is easy to follow. Everything is coherent. There's none of that crazy shaky cam, 100, you know, edits a a minute to make something look cool because of how viciously it's edited. Um, You follow the through line of the action, but he infuses it with these beautiful character moments that not a lot of even great modern films today don't do. I think it's, 
I think it's faulty to kind of eschew some of this for, you know, because again, he just shot a hundred shots straight up in the air and 10 people in front of him died. How is that even possible when he only has a six shooter? You're, you're missing the point of, you know, the feeling that he's trying to get across in the action sequence. And I don't know another person that would again do a zoom in on Chow Yun Fat and Danny Lee, have them look at each other and smile and freeze on each of their expressions. It's one of my favorite moments in the film. Um, it's, it's, it's the scene where they are at the apartment. He's ready to walk away with, with Jenny and he, and, uh, he shows up. Their names are, um, what is it? Shrimp head and, uh, is it small B or something? Small B, small B and shrimp head are the nicknames they gave each other. Cause at the time when they, when they first kind of came out, Jenny was somewhat blind. She wasn't totally blind at this part. She didn't know who he was. So he said it was his old soccer friend and they called each other shrimp head and small B. I really um, hope that's correct. By the way, if it's wrong, it's, apologies. If it's wrong. I, I, I know shrimp head is definitely shrimp what head they call definitely giant right, fat. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely giant fat. Um, but it's such a great moment, and there's a huge action sequence at the house as they're trying to escape, and uh, they just have that moment. And they're both in white. It's everyone, I think, is in white at that point. Like it's uh, the killers who come to terrorize them are all in white jogging suits. It's just a it's a plethora of white. I don't know how Hong Kong is able to get all of this white linen and keep it clean with all of these shootings and stuff that are going on. But uh, it's a delight. It's a delight that makes no sense. It's a delight that you know should never work out realistically but that's not Wu's intent Wu's intent is to heighten the emotional tension of what's going on and put these people through their paces and um as much as i love all of the other action scenes there's just something about that scene because it's the scene where they finally kind of you know come together for the common good of, of saving jenny and and escape um that i just love about it the um I mean, we can definitely talk about like how it, it's the, the action's coherent uh, and relies not so much on uh, it, it relies so much on the, the choreography and the stunt performers and like just the the like it is able to put together something that is so meticulous and intricate without having to do crazy edits to make it look like it's much yeah. more it it achieves that with some again you do have the character moments you talk about but like it's um it's i i'm I, like i'm a sucker for moments in like the old epics when just like here's just thousand people that we have on screen right now because we had a thousand people uh, and right. directed them accordingly <laughs> like that shit is just that's cool as fuck and this feels it hits that button for me but even um, even when they're in Jenny's apartment and the, the, and, uh, Chow Yun Fat, it hasn't been outed as the guy who blinded her yet. And the detective shows up and they're pretending to, they're on the fly having to pretend to be old buddies. And the way that they're holding guns on each other as yes. she's walking through the apartment, it's, it's basically like, it's basically a comedy for that five minutes uh, that they're doing that bit. It's so, it's so well, <laughs> that is probably actually my favorite scene in the movie just yeah. because of how intricate and how well thought out um, and successful that whole, that whole shtick is. Yeah. And, and in, in that scene, a, a third person comes through the window, right? That they say is a cleaning woman, even though it's a male cop who's coming in to assist. Um, it's great. And it also speaks to, uh, you know, we probably won't talk about him nearly as much as we should, but Chow Yun Fat is 
such a presence. Uh, and one of the things I was watching today just was a lot about him. And the guy had comedic chops to spare. Um, he was a romantic lead in a lot of other films and, and had that comedic timing down pat. And it, it, it shows very much in that, that sequence, how good he is at comic timing and just hitting his mark and just nailing some of these you know, lighter, funnier moments, uh, that scene probably above all, probably being the biggest example of that. Absolutely. And yeah, like I, if there's, uh, if there's one, so we talked about how I think that I, uh, or I'll elaborate a bit more on why I think I prefer hard boiled, uh, in the next segment. But one thing I think the killer does have over the uh, hard boiled, like legitimately is just the, the, the styling, especially for Chow Yun Fat, like he, the the, as if the characters don't have too much going on, uh, like internally, then uh, beyond some like some basic stuff that's easy to follow, the they they they're not lacking for being dressed to the nines and looking oh, absolutely Lord, no. cool. That scarf, sir. That's I don't know what assassin would you know again logically have a free flowing scarf that could you know cause a problem at any moment. But man, that man wears it well. And there's another scene as well. I'm trying to remember what it was, but um, he's upset. Oh, um, it, it's his um, his only friend, the guy who acts as the intermediary, right? Who who unfortunately kind of unknowingly sets him up to be killed and then tries to redeem himself. There's a scene where he finds out and he's talking to him, and it's a, it's a shot of Chow Yun Fat. I don't know where he is, but he's kind of like kneeling on a bench, backlit by like reddish pink neon, and he's dripping wet. I don't know why he's dripping wet, because he wasn't wet in any of the preceding scenes, <laughs> but he's dripping wet, and it's just, his hair is perfectly just kind of tousled, and there's water dripping down, and he's upset. And it's just, it is literally like a, like a teen heartthrob, like image of him, uh, that, I have no idea why it's shot that way or why it looks that way, except that Chow Yun Fat is a heartthrob in that brief moment. He looks like it. And, it, you know, it was the moment where my, my wife came down and looked. She's like, oh, oh, <laughs> just kind of walked away. Um, it, it, it's just there's so much style in this film that it almost doesn't know what to do with itself sometimes. But I, I give it a ton of credit. Uh the the costumes and the attire in this film are impeccable right down to the cops uh white striped suit and when i say white striped suit for those of you on the podcast you're probably envisioning something somewhat tasteful there's nothing tasteful about how striped this suit is that the cop <laughs> is wearing it literally looks like a prison uniform except it's a nicely cut suit um but it's but it's great and it serves its purpose well <laughs> There is, sorry, I, I remembered one last, there's my last thing I wanted to mention, and I had mentioned thinking that the score for this movie was mostly cornball, um, but there was one moment that, uh, and, and or sorry, there's certain cues, I think, and it's probably when Jenny's singing, um, where I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't know, but there is one moment where the, the score is playing and they're transitioning to a new scene and you hear the harmonica 
come in and you're like, okay, they decided to bring in a harmonica for this section of the score. And then the door opens to Chow Yun-Fat's apartment and Chow Yun-Fat is just sitting there playing the the harmonica. (laughs) And I was like, wait, what? Like it, he what the the it was music playing outdoor establishing shot with the, and then the harmonica comes in and then uh, John he actually opens the door playing the harmonica yeah it's it's, it's so, it's so <laughs> I was so thrown off by that I was like it, it was it was delightfully so like I I wasn't upset but yeah. I I was just so confused I was like wait a minute that wasn't that that's not how that usually goes that 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 threw me off. You bring up a great point about the harmonica because it, it reminded me of one thing that we should probably talk about. And it's another thing I think that stands out about the killer than a lot of the movies that tried to copy it or or even hard-boiled. And that's the ending. Um, how surprised were you by the darkness of the ending? This does not end on a happy note at all. Yeah, it, uh, it's – I mean, it, it felt like – the right like it felt like the right ending like this is like we talked about the for for as much as it doesn't rise beyond the level of you know intro christianity 101 like the paying for your you know past sins or whatever like that like that felt like it was sort of closing that thread in a way that was at least competent right slight spoilers here if you haven't seen the killer um and though it is slightly hard to find make every opportunity to do so um so at the end of the film, like the main bad guy, they're at the church. Uh, the cop and Chalian Fat are fighting to get Jenny out of there and kill this final bad guy. And Chalian Fat says to uh, Danny Lee, the cop, he's like, look, if anything happens to me, if I die, as long as my eyes are uninjured, use my eyes, you know, to fix hers because she needs a cornea transplant. So he's like, you know, take my, my, my corneas. And if that fails, then give her the money and get her on a plane to America so that she can save herself. So if you have not seen this movie before, you know, but you know how movies work, your thought is he's going to die and she's going to have new eyes and they're going to be the eyes of the man that she loved, even though they couldn't be together. She has his eyes. Oh no, that's not what happens. His eyes are shot out of his head. Essentially the bad guy shoots him, shoots him in his eyes. There is this horrifying makeup effect. It looks like his yeah. eyes have been ripped out of it, his head. It's truly horrific. It's to some look event at. horizon shit is what it is. Yeah, it is terrifying. And then the cop kills the, um, so he dies. Chayan fat dies. The yeah. cop, uh, in a fit of rage kills the bad guy who now the cops are here and he winds up killing them anyway. And, uh, it ends and it ends with the harmonica being played. So it doesn't end with Jenny getting any eyes. It doesn't end with like a post scene of like, uh, you know, the cop getting her on an airplane. It ends with her and hysterics, the bad guy dead, the cop probably in hot water because he shot the, he shot the prisoner who, you know, by that point could have easily had been arrested. And Chalion Fat with his eyes gouged out and one of the most horrific makeup effects I've seen in recent memory. That yeah. is not how this movie is supposed to end. And I love that it ends that way. I suppose you could probably make a reasonable assumption that Jenny did get the money. Um, and then it's just off. If it, that you just sort of make the assumption that that's. I guess so. But like, that's how Hollywood would definitely have done it. Right. But right. this movie takes no prisoners with that. I don't know that that's what happens. See, the I cops just are there at that point. He's Denny yeah. Lee's probably getting arrested. The suitcase of cash is probably getting confiscated as evidence. 
And she's just going to go back to her sad apartment where now she's completely blind. And if the cat jumps through a window again, she'll probably have a heart attack of fear. Yeah. The, yeah. The, (laughs) the part where she has no recourse or restitute, like there's, there's no, like she's the innocent in, in, in the whole thing. Like, and she doesn't get to have that, that, yeah, that's, uh, (laughs) <laughs> that's definitely a bit uh bleaker than what uh, the average hollywood fare <laughs> yeah uh you know movie does not have chow yun fat as resplendently as gloriously uh, attired as he is in the killer what's that sir hardboiled So Hard Boiled is going to be our second movie for this episode. It came out in 1992 and again stars Chow Yun-Fat. And uh, coming along this time is Tony Leung. Um, we're going to talk about how this movie is great and glorious for so many ways. So I just want to get my uh, previous comment from before the break out of the way. Is my one complaint about this movie, which is that for all, all the amazing things that this movie is and does, that Chow Yun-Fat is, uh, absolutely has no fashionable presence uh in this movie he is dressed like a middle-aged dad and it is a bummer uh (laughs) thoughts before we move on to what this movie is and why it's great is he always dressed like a dad i know he's mostly dressed like a dad because he's the harried upon cop in this one um but i'm trying to remember does he i i I, he's got to have white a white suit at some point in this in this movie doesn't he I mean, I'll have to watch it a third time, which, oh no, <laughs> I guess we'll have to follow up on that. Okay. We'll do a postscript to a future Cinema Duel episode where we talk about the style attire of Chang and Fat and Hard Boiled. I just, he's he's dressed more like a dad more often than I would like for what I, going into a movie that I was assuming was going to be one of the most stylish action movies I've ever seen, which it is, just not in his costuming department. No, but to your point, we have Tony Leung in this movie, who is rather yes. stylish. I think if there's a style to, you know, a style icon to be had here, it's Tony Leung, who has worked with John Woo. I mean, you know, next to Chow Yun-Fat, Tony Leung is probably, you know, the biggest, you know, co-conspirator of John Woo films, so... Kind of makes sense. Maybe they they traded off in this instance. I feel like I would have probably been so I watched them in reverse order. So I would have probably been less disappointed if I had seen the killer first, where he does do that thing, so that uh, <laughs> so that I could be like, well, he already did that in the killer. He doesn't need to do it on hard boiled. Like there's uh, like I'm sure there's reasons for it, but uh, having watched hard boiled first, I was I was it threw me off just just the tiniest bit. Um, now let's spend the next however many minutes talking about how this bit film is basically a masterpiece. Um, th- <laughs> if, if we're talking about uh, like the killer in which um, we have uh, people in different situations coming together to uh, who are you know very different from each other uh, coming together to stop uh, triad nonsense. Uh, this movie positions uh, Chow Yun Fat as sort of the straight laced cop. Um, and uh, Tony Leung as the undercover uh, detective who is in deep with the triads. And uh, they're both, you know, through the various mechanics uh, of the plot, which we can get into uh, if needed, uh, they end up coming together uh, to, you know, take down the bad guys. Again, this movie, like The Killer, real, real simple, basic premise. Um, and I think what I like, we'll start with what I like about Hardboiled more than The Killer is that 
to your, I think you had talked about this, is that hard-boiled abandons the pretense of trying to be a serious movie. And, and, and I think John Woo has explicitly said that too. So this isn't reaching. Um, and this, uh, where I think that, uh, yeah, I, th- I think that hard boiled is the sort of no thoughts, head empty, all vibes. Uh, this is sort of the, the sort of the apex of, you know, of, of this kind of, of filmmaking. And yeah. it is, um, it is glorious. It uh, does not have any bone in its body that wants to talk to you about Jesus. Uh, it's just uh, um, glorious carnage, pretty much all the way through. Um, yeah. In 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 fact, if anything, um, it it is much more indebted to kind of like Buddhism and stuff, as there is pl- plenty of praying and lighting of incense to do things like. <laughs> I think he 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 prays a couple of times, but he prays for like, uh, just please, just please let this day go. Okay, I can't remember, but there are copious moments where he's burning incense to just kind of get something done during the course of the film. Um, And I got to say that looking up just a little bit on the just a little bit on the production side of the movie going in. Um, apparently, the the sort of the process of getting the the like the sh- the script in place and the and, and figuring out just sort of the the shape of how the movie was going to come together there was this note about a, a a a subplot in the movie of a baby poisoning psychopath uh that was cut out of the movie and i got to say um i'm so glad like if if we want to talk about you know religion at all uh, i'm going to say a prayer of thanks uh, to whatever god exists <laughs> that, that didn't make it into the movie um because the last 40 i, I don't remember if i i don't remember if exactly 45 minutes but the the big like the big finale is just 45 minutes of the movie and it takes place at a hospital and involves like tons of doctors and patients being mowed down violently but there is an attempt to try and save the ward full of newborns and um as someone who has recognized a absolutely no tolerance policy for child endangerment in movies like uh the <laughs> having the having the big threat having well the big secondary thread of the last half of the movie being uh we're going to basically try and get all these it's it's almost almost comical how they have to like try and rescue all these babies without uh catching the eye of the of all the bad guys um but uh but yeah i'm really glad that they didn't go with the yeah let's have someone just kill a bunch of babies because that would have been an absolute bummer and ruined the entire vibe yeah i'm gonna have to agree with you um i'm not a big fan of killing babies in a film um or in life or, or in let's let's be clear. Or in life, maybe that needs to be said. Um, no babies are harmed in this movie, and in fact, one baby even saves Chow Yun Fat's life. Uh, that baby is prominently displayed on the poster for the film. That 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 poster, poster is that that poster could be a Sylvester Stallone comedy. Like I could I could just see it, or maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, the, uh, there's I, the, a. The first game that I ever, or sorry, the first computer we ever had was this black and white piece of shit that uh, didn't have any like real legal software on it, but it had a ton of bootleg shit on it. And there was this um, 
there was a game that I would that I knew as Ambulance, but was actually like the official real version of it was called Bouncing Babies. And then the idea was that you just had um, two uh, two paramedics with a stretcher, and then people would be throwing babies out of a a building that's on fire. And so you have to like run from one end and cat and bounce the babies across to the, uh, the to the ambulance. And that that's basically what the second half of this movie is, is just basically 40 minutes of uh, yeah. bouncing babies out of a, out of a building that's being violently attacked. And it's, and it's wonderful. <laughs> and it's good. It's great. It's great. I love it. No complaints. <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, we've mentioned it before, but of course, uh, Chow Yun Fat is the toughest nails, uh, cop. His name is Tequila Yun Ho Yan. Um, but he will forever be Tequila in our, in our hearts and minds. Um, uh, Tony Leung, who we've talked about uh, a lot when we did the Wong Kar Wai film, uh, is here as Alan. He is the triad assassin who is actually a deep undercover cop. They're the two that butt heads uh, and come into conflict. And of course, ultimately, just like the killer, you know, start to work for each other, um, you know, work with each other to, to take down the evil triad gangs. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I can't add anything else to what you've said. Um, this is, though... This is like the the buddy cop movie to end all buddy cop movies. It's not played for comedy, but it it has the toughest nails boss who he's constantly fighting with and they and they don't align on, but you find out that the cop is actually a good guy. Um he's got domestic troubles with his girlfriend and you don't know what's going on there and then that comes into play later on. Um it's it's just a powerhouse of every cliche and every beat that you've seen in a million other movies. But here it's so fresh. Um, it's so much fun. This movie is ridiculously fun. Uh, it, it does not care at all about trying to hit you over the head with themes of honor and brotherhood. I think it comes out again, even though I say, I think the killer is maybe a better movie. This comes by the themes that the killer strives for. It comes by it much more honestly and much more kind of cleanly um, because it just happens from the action. It's not trying to hit you over the head with this guy is, you know, is is ashamed Guilty, of what yeah. he's doing. He's in too deep and he's conflicted. This movie doesn't try to hit you over the head with that. It just it it naturally comes out. Now, I think part of that, too, is when you have an actor of the stature of Tony Leung, He's going to knock it out of the park. I don't know that that guy can do a bad performance. I think that may be the only role that is too hard for him to do is to play something terribly. Um, but this movie just, it takes all of its characters. It does great things with them. There's another character of Philip Kwok is in this film and you may have seen him in other films. If you watch him here, he is kind of like the chief. He's the second hand bad guy to the main bad guy. He's like the chief assassin. He is so badass. He is so devastatingly evil until things happen in the 40 minute hospital shootout where he kind of has a change of heart and, you know, and, and what happens there. I love that about this movie. I love that it does things like that. I love that it gives the other characters stuff to do. And it's not just a how insanely great is tequila and how insanely great is Alan. They are. And there is whacked out like martial art crazy you know, gung fu type of stuff going on. And yeah, I said gung fu. I think that was done by that Christian Bale movie, but it was done much <laughs> earlier here. Um, you know, the balletic display 
of jumping through doors and jumping through aisles and shooting each other a hundred miles an hour. There's a, there's a, there's evil gas that's going to kill people. There's secret hideouts. There's secret, like, Weapon bases built under hospitals. This movie also has like a serious kind of James Bond theme going on, too, with all the wacky shit that goes on in the hospital. It, it is literally packed to the gills with excitement um, and just cool I- ideas. It's it's John Woo, I think, as crazy as face-off is, for example, where people are able to surgically change faces and run around and do all that. Uh, that doesn't hold a candle to the insanity and coolness that goes on within Hard Boiled. I mean, face-off doesn't have an underground military secret weapon base behind a hospital. It doesn't have That's a baby true. that pees to, to douse the flames of our hero when our hero is on fire. Uh, and not play that for abject comedy. It just kind of plays in the course of the scene. It's funny, but it's not like a, wah, wah, we're going to stop for a moment and do this funny bit. It kind of is like that, but Chow Yun-Fat doesn't play it like that. He plays it like, oh, thank God. Thank you, baby. And then he just keeps running. (laughs) Babies are tossed all over the place in this movie, and it is hilarious. Yes, it is. It is. It is wild just how much. uh, Yeah. How much baby throwing goes on in this movie. (laughs) And also, I really want to thank you for bringing up Philip Kwok, because I definitely I I, it's been. Again, just because of delays, it's been a minute since I uh, had seen Hard Boiled. But I remember, other than our two main protagonists, uh, Mad Dog, uh, which is Philip Kwok's character's name, um, I remember him standing out and being like, oh, that is the hardest motherfucker I've ever seen on film. Like, we talked about (laughs) Sterling Hayden, um, and I feel like Philip Kwok could go toe-to-toe. He's the Sterling Hayden of Hong Kong action films. Sterling Hayden could go toe-to-toe, I think, with with Philip Kwok, and I would watch the hell out of that. Um, It is... uh, And, and of course, and and it's made all the more... I mean... I I'm I am pro Mad Dog throughout the whole movie, and then when he has the turn of heart at the uh, uh, at the end, you're just like fuck yeah, yeah. He, he, you get he gets his he he goes out in a redemptive blaze of glory. It's it's beautiful. You get uh, um yeah he he was the other guy I really wanted to shout out for this because he's uh, he absolutely steals the show whenever he's whenever he's on screen, and, and and it's great that they allow him the opportunity to do that. Again, I I think this is a movie that is so generous with scene time and 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 just letting everybody have their moment. That even the bad guys have their moment, um, and it's it's just it's it it's brilliant. It it has nothing on its mind but to just entertain the hell out of you, and it does it in spades. It most certainly does. And uh, you had said that you potentially wanted to think about this for future reference, but I've just been trying to keep this on the down low. Um, Chris, you brought this. <laughs> we're up. going there. Yeah, we were going there. You talked about wanting to put this on the wall of fame uh, for this podcast. And I was playing coy, uh, but absolutely 100% this got out. Yeah. This has to go up. Yeah. <laughs> like if if this movie doesn't go on our hall of fame, then I don't know what the fuck we're doing. Like, yeah. it, it's absolutely going there um and i i think uh if this if this segment is a bit light on running time then it's only because like it's just our feelings are uncomplicatedly yes this movie fucking rules uh it's absolutely worth anyone's time uh it's it's probably one of my favorite action i I was actually thinking about this like up until i think the movie 
that comes closest to this is probably the raid. Like as far mm-hmm. as what do I want um, out of an action movie? It'd be like something like that or like Mad Max Fury Road. Just like we're just where it's there's no there's no wasted time. There's everything is just put to immediate and like blazingly efficient use. Just like it's 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 go time. Yeah, I'll. No, I'll probably take this over Mad Max Fury Road, to be honest with you. I just love how no other movie in recent memory has made me shout with joy like this movie has. And this is a movie that came out in 1992. I mean, and it's a movie that I've seen before, you know, but uh, watching it again, um, it's been a few weeks, but uh, God, it's, it's just so much fun. It is such a ride. Um, it's a movie that is, I think it's also fairly long. I think this is over two hours long. It doesn't I think, feel it. Yeah. I think hard world's two ten. I think. <laughs> yeah. Or something uh, like that. Does not feel it. Does not feel it. One no, bit. absolutely not. I think we're good here, sir. I think yeah, we put another one on the shelf. We can knock this one off. And, uh, if you're good with it, why don't we just jump into recommendations? Absolutely. All right. So that leads us to our recommendation segment. And for this episode, um, you know, we're talking John Woo and I figure that there's no better way uh, for me to recommend for uh, John Woo films uh, other than the ones we've already talked about than uh, 1997's Face Off with uh, John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. Just, I mean, it's an impossibly good time. It's dumb as hell. Uh, it's, uh, <clears throat> I, I think it's, uh, well, I'm 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 open to be persuaded, but it, it might be probably my favorite of his American movies. I think, um, yeah, face off. I'm gonna take your face off. That's it's <laughs> nice and you nice, know, ni- nice and easy, right down the middle. <laughs> I have not seen yet. Um, I have not seen Hard Target with Jean Claude Van Damme, which I've yeah. heard a lot of people say is very good. That so yes, that's the one I haven't on seen. That's why off. I hedged my yeah. bet just the tiniest bit because I was like, I want to, I want to leave the possibility that Hard Target might be. Uh, might be up there but yeah, yeah of the of the three broken arrow face off and mission impossible 2 i mean it's obviously face off yeah i'm gonna I'm, I'm definitely looking to give it a shot um i've not had an opportunity yet but uh definitely on my list um i will briefly for my side i have a couple things i want to talk about but i will mention um one film that if you can get it, get it in its uncut kind of two-part edition is John Woo's Redcliffe, uh, which was supposed to star Chai Yun Fat. This was the film where they had a huge falling out. They haven't worked together um, since. And Tony Leung actually came on to star in uh, Redcliffe. Um, it's a historical war wuxia epic. Um, it's it's really cool. Um, I. Uh, like I said, I never saw the theatrical significantly cut version. Um, but years ago they released on DVD and I think it's still out now, um, readily available on DVD and or Blu-ray, the two part uncut edition of, of Red Cliff. Um, definitely check it out if, if you want to see John Woo play in a very different environment than you're used to, which is more like the modern Hong Kong action flick to see a, see him tackle a period piece like that's really pretty cool. Um, elsewhere, um, I finally started catching up with some 2021 films, a lot of the big stuff that's been coming out. Um, so I will say, um, uh, one I'm not going to recommend, but I will say that I, I did watch Marvel's The Eternals. I am a, a huge Marvel fan and I do like most of the films in various degrees. Uh, so family night, we sat down, we watched The Eternals, which recently made its debut on Disney Plus, And, um, 
I see what it's trying to do. Um, I've never been so surprised having seen and loved Chloe Zhao's previous movie, which we talked about on the podcast, Nomadland, uh, and to have her bring her sensibilities to this and have, I think, a lot of those sensibilities really squashed um, by some real lackluster action sequences and a plot that just kind of goes a little too long um, and some leads that don't really work. Um, so my short version of Eternals is, I guess, check it out because it's supposed to have ramifications if you're into Marvel as to what's going on. Um, some of the side performances are really, really good. Um, but our two main leads, uh, don't really do it for me. And man, there's some really lackluster action. I'm really getting tired of, uh, Marvel kind of leaning heavily on just people shoot, you know, golden rays, beep, 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 you know, to battle people. Um, I think they really, I was, I'm one of the people who was super, super into, um, Shang-Chi and the legend of the 10 rings. Uh, I loved the color and the spectacle of that film. And even though that is, you know, has an end fight, which is basically two different colored CG lights shooting back and forth. They managed to bring a real sense of character and a real sense of, of, of fun, and visual spectacle to that film and Eternals just feels dead on arrival to me. So sadly, not a huge recommendation on the other side of the coin. I did also finally get to see Edgar Wright's new film last night in Soho, um, which I think the best special effect of that movie is how much he makes it look like a seventies film, especially in the beginning, right down to the film grain. One of the things that it immediately reminded me of John when I was watching it was um, the wicker man. Like, this is a film that looks like it was oh. shot in 1973. Hello. Um, even though it's a very modern movie, um, it, it, it does take place in the present time, but he shoots it like a 70s kind of amicus, you know, hammer film. Um, it's really good. It's not funny at all. Uh, it is a very different tone from Edgar Wright. Don't go looking in to see, like, an action film or a horror film with some of his signature funny stuff in it. There's nothing funny in this movie. And when it goes total horror, it is horrific. The ending is terrifying. Um, it definitely plays homage to a lot of different things. It's, it's pays homage to Argento and some of the Jallo masters, even though this is definitely not a Jallo film. Um, it, pays a lot of homage to Brian De Palma. Uh, so take that as you will, if you know Brian De Palma and his films like Dress to Kill, um, most especially. This, you know, has a lot of those kind of same things. It's dazzling visually, even though it's just kind of like a kind of a paint by number story. Um, you know, it's not trying to do much except to evoke a tone and a mood and it does it super, super effectively. So that's probably going to be my biggest recommendation for the month. If you haven't seen it, check out last night in Soho. I mean, yeah, like I, I usually get around to watching Edgar Wright stuff, uh, uh, with enough regularity that I'm sure I'll, I'll do it at some point. Um, I was just looking through my letterbox to see if there was anything else that I had seen recently that I wanted to talk about. And probably the one I would want to mention is the, uh, is, uh, um, first reformed, um, a movie that, uh, whose subject matter weighs very heavily on my mind. And so for the first hour, um, <clears throat> like the way that they, the way that they get like church culture and, uh, 
the way that they get, they get the church culture of it all feels really like I, I recognized every part of that. And I was like, yes, this, this, this resonates with me and it feels real good. And then when, the, when shit pops off in that movie, it goes off in an entirely different direction where like the, fir- the first movie i was just like i'm just basically having all my personal demons put up on the th- on the screen i'm watching right now and then in the second half of the movie i was like okay well they went in a different direction with it that's fine it's not it uh, this doesn't have yeah. to be about me this is cool it's fine they're doing a thing that's great um it it kind of ends on a a bit of an insane note tonally for me but uh it was still I still had a good time with it. Awesome. Yeah. Can't, can't, don't ever discount Paul Schrader. (laughs) Dude is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't, don't ever, apparently don't ever check out his face. he's got some obsessions that he's going to put in his movies. (laughs) Yeah. The, the, I, I don't follow him on Facebook, but I have seen enough references to the stuff that he puts on Facebook that I'm like, you know what? It's probably best that I don't know. It's probably best that I just sort of leave him alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. Well, I think that's probably going to do it for us uh, tonight. Uh, sorry for the uh, the delay, but uh, we uh, theoretically have a next uh, episode lined up, and we should we probably do. get uh, working on <laughs> prepping that uh, sooner. Not only do we have a, not only do we have our next episode lined up, we're going to have a guest with us for that one. Uh, I mean, so that's part of we'll that, that, that's, that, that's part of the details that we need to just reconfirm. We should probably we ping him and let him know, hey, we're ready. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry it took we us so long. Yeah, well, you know, I I'm gonna I'm just gonna play. Sorry, my family got COVID, and uh, and if he want and if they want, no, they're not gonna be a monster about it. I'm sure it's fine. But yeah, we <laughs> we we do have sort of a sense of where we're headed for the next one. I think it's going to. I mean, it's obviously gonna be different. But enough uh, enough vague posting and uh, teasing for everyone. Thanks again, Chris, for the chat. As always, it's good to get back into the swing of things after a bit of a. Uh, bit of a bumpy start to the year but uh hope you're doing well and you and you uh, and everyone stays safe and well and alive absolutely same here uh please stay safe please stay healthy please be respectful of others <laughs> uh let's just try to keep going through as we enter kind of year three of uh the craziness. Uh, the good news is that we will be back next month with a uh, bit of levity and a bit of sanity, uh, provided I can get my ass to Mars. So we'll see you next time. <laughs>